Hello, 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 and welcome to the FFS Show, a podcast about misinformation and fact checking by the gang at the Ferret. I am your workaday host, Ali Bryan, and joining me, as always, is my colleague and friend, Sam Gonsalves. <laughs> How are you, Sam? I am good. I am. Uh, I have a cold. Should I say that on the podcast? I have a cold and I'm feeling ill, but. The podcast comes first, you know. I think oh. um, my duty to Brave. the audio medium is number one, and so here we are. And we have a brilliant guest this week who I did not want to miss. Yeah, well, let's talk about the guest. Do you want to uh, reveal to our listeners who we've been speaking to? Yeah, so we spoke to uh, Herbert Lin, who is a senior researcher and scholar on cybersecurity policy at the Hoover Institution and Stanford University. But the thing that we talked to him specifically about, it's the doomsday clock. We're going to go into it a little bit in the interview, but I think people might have heard about the doomsday clock. It's this publication in the United States that's been around since the 40s, where they uh, every year release a statement saying how close or further away we are from midnight. Midnight being yeah. the end of the world, doomsday. Um, and so it started off as a kind of warning about nuclear war. And it's, as you hear in the interview, it's it's just shifted, shifted to a kind of a warning about all the kinds of things that put humanity at risk. Yes, the doomsday clock is currently at 100 seconds to midnight, which is the closest it's ever been. The furthest away from midnight ever got was in 1991, uh, at the end of the Cold War, when it was set to 17 minutes to midnight. Since then, it's gradually gone down year by year, and since 2020, it's been on 100 seconds to midnight. And it surprisingly was not an entirely doom-laden chat, no, surprisingly positive, yeah. Yeah, well, while the doomsday clock, I mean, is fundamentally, it's talking about doom <laughs> as the yeah. end game, metaphorically. Um, he uh, had uh, what we, we might consider to be surprisingly and engagingly positive outlook in some ways. And if you're, if you're wondering how this crosses over into misinformation and fact check, again, I don't want to spoil too much of the chat, but but it's amazing how how much of the issues that threaten the kind of existence of humanity are connected to misinformation and how we communicate and and, and how dangerous sometimes some of those platforms and, and, and mediums can be. And it's such a great chat. Uh, we are going to go straight into it. Yeah, enjoy. As a way to start a conversation, uh, you could tell us a little bit more about the Doomsday Clock and how how it's operated, how the kind of changes of closer or further away from midnight are decided each year? The Doomsday Clock was created in 1947, which, uh, as you know, was just uh, you know a couple of years after the first atomic bombs were used in World War II. It was, it was intended as a visual depiction of a metaphor to characterize how close to apocalypse uh, mankind uh, is so it's not meant to be taken literally uh, sure. it's not not it, you know it's not that you know in, in one minute from now or two yeah. minutes from now or six minutes from now we'll yeah. all be dead it's not meant in in, in that sense and uh, it moves back and forth uh, in response to uh, world events uh, 
where a board of uh, uh, people um, called the Science uh, and Security Board, of which I'm a member, uh, get together and uh, make an assessment of the uh, events that have happened and what they portend for the future. Uh, and uh, for many years, the uh, clock was intended to reflect only one existential threat, that is the threat of nuclear war. In 2007, it was changed to uh, include the threat from climate change, uh, which, of course, operates on a very different time scale, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, nuclear war, you could imagine that as a cataclysmic event. Um, yeah. uh, climate change is not that kind of thing. It's not that, you know, one day we're in, you know, we're at 70 degrees and to, you know, the next day we're at 100 degrees forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't right. work like that. Climate's a yeah. much more slowly changing kind of thing. Um, but it is an existential threat nevertheless in the sense that it, it poses uh, substantial threats to civilization as we understand it and know it. Um, the third uh, change was made uh, in, um, I think, in like 2016, 2017, something like that, to uh -huh. uh, um, address uh, threats from uh, emerging and technologies that might disrupt the existing order of things. So, for example, biological threats. That's really interesting. I think, uh, obviously, this podcast, we talk about uh, misinformation and disinformation and mm -hmm. uh, the way these things interact with the world and with other, with global issues like COVID, etc. Mm -hmm. What sort of impact do you think uh, misinformation and disinformation has on these existential threats? And how does that sort of factor into the, the conversation when you're putting together the time on the doomsday clock? There, there are two aspects of, of misinformation and disinformation that uh, uh, enter into it. We, we, we regard misinformation and disinformation uh, in, as an element of the disruptive technologies branch because it's the internet and, and information technology that's made it so easy to promulgate uh, mm. and spread disinformation and misinformation about various things. It's a threat in two ways. Uh, one is that it's kind of a force multiplier. That is, it makes solving the other existential threats much worse. So just look at right. the kind of misinformation there has been about COVID, for example, um, uh, and, and uh, how, how that has impeded uh, a coherent um, national and uh, global response. So just, you know, so there, so, so that's been, imagine how uh, uh, misinformation about climate change has affected things. Um, so far, I haven't heard anybody say that there's no such thing as nuclear weapons. Um, right, uh, but uh, I'm sure you can find you know, it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I can find yeah, somebody. Um, yeah. and, and there might, you know, I, I don't, you know, or, or you know, so maybe I'll find somebody that says that nuclear war is good for people or something like right. that. You know, I, I haven't seen that yet, um, yeah. but you know, the, you know, we, I mean, you, you, you'll. I have heard hints of well, nuclear war will. Uh, create a nuclear winter, and that will tend to counteract the the, the threat of climate change and getting warmer. Oh, and so right, on. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think those been, I don't think that those have been said seriously. But you could sort of see, you know, today's satire is tomorrow's, 
fake news. So, talking about COVID and, and the impact that, that had on, on on this process that that the bulletin and the clock have gone through over since between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two, the clock has remained at a hundred seconds to midnight. That's correct. Can you talk to us a little bit about why that is? What was the decision process there? Well, the, 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 the issue with the, the fact that it stayed the same uh, is not, I mean, w- one of the things that we've noticed over the many years that the, the bulletin has been around is that people pay, pay attention most to changes in the clock time rather than where the clock actually is. Right, okay? right. And so we... I will address your question in a minute, but I think mm-hmm. it's really important to, to, to stress that right now the clock is close to, is the closest it's ever been to midnight. Right. And the fact that it hasn't changed uh, does not mean that all is well. That said, uh, the reason that the clock hasn't changed uh, is, is that um, there have been positive things and negative things. Uh, and the way the way the process works is that we meet and we discuss them. We we make judgments based on you know we say you know what are all the bad things that have happened and what are all the good things that have happened and, and, and to to bring us closer or farther away and we make a judgment based on the on, on a totality of it. I mean there yeah. there are endless debates within the within the group about um, should we have. Uh, two clocks, one for nuclear, one for climate change, you know, you know right, three yeah. clocks, you know, you can proliferate them. Should it be a clock? Should one yeah. be an hourglass? I mean, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff like that. In the end, we opted for simplicity, okay? Yeah. And of course, when you have one symbol to to, to reflect um, uh, the totality of events, there's bound to be oversimplification and, 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 and so on. There's no, yeah. there's no quote, rigorous, uh, provable way of doing this stuff. Um, yeah. It's a judgment call. When it was in its foundation, it was a, it was about nuclear weapons, essentially. That was the kind of existential threat that, that he was dealing with. But now you're, you've added more and more facets to it. How have issues like climate change, like obviously misinformation is not, we're not talking that as an existential threat, but as a, maybe an accelerator or a Impeder. I, I talked about it as an accelerator, as a force mm-hmm. multiplier. That's true, okay? And it makes it harder yeah. to solve all those problems. Okay. The other aspect of it, to me, um, and the bulletin itself has not said this, although I published an article in the bulletin on this point, uh, is that it's an existential threat to civilization by itself. Okay? Because right. what it essentially threatens to do, it's so cyber-enabled information warfare or whatever you want to call it, uh, threatens to undermine the foundations of, of, uh, of rational discourse. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that we we, we have a uh, uh, an era we, we have we have had a uh, a world in which you know evidence is supposed to matter, right? Logic is supposed to matter. Factual reality is supposed to matter, and there you know is the old saying is you're entitled to your own you know you're entitled to your own opinion but not to your own facts well that's not true anymore right mm-hmm. people seem to yeah. people reject that proposition that if you don't like the conclusion just change the facts and that is a threat 
because that threat, you know, what that changes, what that means is, is that decisions get ba- get decided on the basis of, of rage and 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 and, and emotion, um, rage and fantasy, rather than reason and reality, and that's a terrifying thought. I mean, it's the end of the Enlightenment. I was interested uh, that, to know if you. This is a question that I'm asking in a provocative way that I'm sure you won't give me a, a, be able to give me an answer to directly. But has climate change outstripped nuclear war as the world's most sort of pressing threat? It certainly is true that nuclear war uh, is the most pressing threat in the sense that it is the only thing that can snuff out a billion lives in a week, right? Yeah. That is true. I mean, nobody will dispute that, okay? Then you have to say, well, what, what's this likelihood? Well, a lot of people have forgotten about it, have forgotten about nuclear weapons, okay? Now, I suppose I should be, you know, as a person who is very concerned about nuclear weapons, I suppose I should be grateful to Putin for shaking the nuclear rattle, right? Now somebody's going to quote me as saying, I think Putin's done a good thing for the world. No, he hasn't. But, you know, that, that, that it's, it's a good thing that people know about nuclear weapons. They ought to be scared of them. Okay. Um, uh, and, and this is a, you know, the, that, that doesn't mean I want nuclear war, right? But, no. you know, you, people should be scared of them because they're a threat and we should, it should motivate people to do something about it. Okay. So, so you, so, so what you're saying is, is it, is it a more pressing thing? So higher consequence, lower probability, okay? Because mm-hmm. we see what's happening with climate change. We see that what's happening is a slow grinding inaction that prevents us from taking the steps that we need. Okay. And, and, and that's really tough. Okay. And everybody sees a slow grinding inaction and that's why people are, are, are up in arms about it. Um, so you can understand I me. Mean, so all, among my students, they're more, more concerned about climate change than they are about right. uh, nuclear war. I think they should be more concerned about nuclear war, but you know, that's, that's a different point. Uh, I can understand where they're coming from. <laughs> if I am doing my own assessment of the world and wanting to look a little bit more on the positive column, as opposed to the negative column, um, any suggestions of authors or readings or anything that you've been into recently that people could check out? We've just finished 20 minutes of conversation on doomsday, right? On, on, on the end of the world, metaphorically, right? And, and, and I am often asked, um, you know, well, is there any hope? Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's actually an interesting, that, 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 that's an interesting question. Okay. Um, I have to believe there is, uh, and, and, and um, there are there are things that people can do um, to, uh, among other things, they can vote. Uh, but you know, there are there are other things that that, 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 that people can do too. Um, uh, I I've spent a large fraction of my life trying to deal with problems of nuclear war, for example. Um, I like to believe that I've had a little bit of made a little bit of difference somewhere, you know, here, here and there. Um, but the more important thing, I think, is to say to you that, you know, as much as the world sucks, okay, which you know, if you look at the news, it objectively, a lot of the world sucks. Okay, think about how much worse it would be if you were alone. 
Right. If you didn't have people who loved you, if you didn't have people that you love, if you didn't care about anybody else, that would really be a sucking blow. I mean, even worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there is a sense in, in, in which, you know, I mean, there's the, 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 my silly way of saying it is, you know, there's still ice cream. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and you yeah. know, you. I mean, look, looking at you in, in, in you know, in, in your images here and, and, and so on, you could probably get some ice cream in the next couple of hours if you really were motivated to do it. <laughs> a large yeah, fraction yeah. of the world can't. In fact, I might. I might get some <laughs> in the next couple of hours, yeah. right? So, I mean, there, there is, you know, there is something. Okay. Yeah. And, and we find that we're if you reach out to others in, of similar concern, you'll find you're not alone and there's power in, be, in, in being together. So after this extremely inspiring conversation about some of the most important topics um, around just now, I have been inspired to go and buy some ice cream and I'm ready to take up action and uh, respond to the call of action here and eat some ice cream. Yeah, I never thought we'd have a conversation that was about how close we are to doomsday that made me feel in some ways sort of empowered to do things. If the concept of being able to have ice cream doesn't mean you want to help save the world and improve matters, <laughs> then what will? That's right. Um, yeah, and I mean, if people want to know more about... Uh, the Doomsday Clock or the uh, Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, which is uh, the publication that that that, that has published this, this clock, uh, you can go to thebulletin.org, um, and there's a big a big clock in there with like a hundred seconds to midnight. Um, and through that, you can look, you can find Herbert's uh, Twitter, you can find the, the Bulletin's Twitter, you can yeah, just kind of follow them on social media and dive in a little bit. Okay, so um, there's a few things that uh, you wanted to mention about uh, what's coming up with the ferret uh, and things to, for people to look out for. That's right. So we have we have an exciting uh, month in a few weeks coming up. Uh, as usual, we have a series coming up in the beginning of Ju June, um, and we'll reveal a little bit more about that as as it comes. Um, but right now, you have to if you're just a, a listener and a reader of the ferret, uh, you get to give us some input about that series. I'm not going to tell you the details of it just now, but if you subscribe to the Ferret Underground newsletter, um, mm -hmm. this Thursday, so we're, this podcast is coming out on the Wednesday, 11th May. I almost forgot what month it was. Uh, mm -hmm. On Thursday, the 12th, we're going to put out our newsletter, and within that, there will be a link for a survey uh, asking our readers about their experience of this topic we're going to be covering uh, in June. And we did one of these with the Cost of Living series uh, back in January, and the responses were yeah. amazing. It was really interesting to to see our readers kind of lived experience of what we're talking about. So uh, please, please uh, send in your thoughts about that, and, and we might ask you if we could include some of that in the final output in June. Uh, it would be really great to hear from you. But talking about surveys, Definitely. that's not the only one. Um, next week, we are putting out another survey for members only. Only uh, members of the fair will be able to access that. And it's a survey uh, around what we should be investigating next. 
we'll take the results of that survey. They'll be up for a couple of weeks. And then we'll do an event with some of our members and ask them more Ooh. in-depth questions. So basically, it's the start of a big collaborative process with our members. So if you're a member of the fair, keep an eye out next week. You'll get a survey about what we should investigate next. If you're not a member of the fair, then I'll suggest that you go to theferret.scot slash subscribe. You can become a member for £5 a month, uh, for £10 a month under our gold subscription. Or if you're not able to pay for a membership right now, you can also apply to be a sponsored member. And if people want to uh, get in contact with us about anything to do with the podcast or fact-checking, they can email factcheck at theferret.scot or if they want to just suggest a fact-check, they can by going to checkmyfact.paperform.co all right well we'll see you uh in a couple weeks with a brand new uh, interview and a fact check all right bye bye